You guys will be going for your, your lesson this morning. Has anybody seen Matthew this morning? Is he here? Okay. Ones and twos. Okay. I thought, man, he didn't have to preach this morning. He's, he's, he's out. Yeah. Refreshing. All right, anyway, <laughs> I, did, I miss seeing Matthew. Hey, I, I want to let you know, I, I very much appreciate uh, uh, Matthew over the past four This is the first time he's actually preached uh, through a book of the Bible. And uh, I thought he did a great job. He, he just, he, he, uh, he presents the word very well. Uh, I, 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 before I begin, I, I am wowed by this book, aren't you? I, I, I'm just in awe of God's word that we have it for one thing. That's, that's enough reason to be in awe of his word, right? But, but then to go through it, to read it, and, and to continue to find out more about it. I, I mean, I've been in the scriptures for a long, long time, 61 years old, uh, been, been pouring through this for quite a while, and I, it still amazes me. It still amazes me. Matthew's going through this book of Habakkuk. I, I, you know, and, and then consider, consider this, if you would. Here, here is a prophet that is just disgruntled with God. That's Habakkuk, right? God, what are you doing? Why Babylon? It, it is a wicked, sinful nation, and bringing, bringing them against your people for judgment. Uh, so a disgruntled prophet. On Tuesday mornings, the, uh, my, my guys that we meet on Tuesday morning, we're going through the book of Jonah, and, and there's a prophet that ran from God. Uh, you, would, you would think everyone that's writing anything on God's behalf is going to be in line with God, boy, going to be perfect people, but you pour through the scriptures and there's just a number of imperfect people that even wrote down the scriptures. Jonah, God says, go to Nineveh. What did he do? He went, <laughs> I'm going to go the opposite direction. Well, God got him all straightened it out, took a fish and being swallowed by it to, to get him back in line to go into Nineveh. Uh, good book, read it. Uh, and the book we're going through is, is no different. Ecclesiastes. Just, just rem- I think it's important to rem- remind you who wrote this book of Ecclesiastes. Because I don't know anyone who would read this book and, and think, what is he saying? What, what do you mean uh, that, that everything is meaningless? Everything is meaningless. And, and, and what kind of message is that within the scriptures? When he says everything is meaningless, it's like a, a smoke or, or, or a fog. And you just can't get a hold of it. You can't find substance. can't find significance to hold on to. And that's where we've been going the past uh, four chapters of Ecclesiastes. Boy, he's investigating everything, right? Riches, you know, poverty, uh, uh, wisdom, foolishness, uh, achievement, position, relationships. And through everything he's examining, he keeps on coming back to, oh man, it's all meaningless. It's meaningless. It's empty. Uh, Where's significance? Now Solomon... In, in no way was like his father. You know, David was even described by God as a man after God's own heart. So he, to say that, that uh, David had a devotion to God because he was in pursuit of God's heart. Man, wouldn't you just love to have that tag? And given to you by God. Woo! That would be something else. But Solomon, you know, I've, I've called him half-hearted. Let, let's call him this morning Distracted. Distracted. Okay, I'll say it again. 700 wives and 300 concubines. The man was distracted, right? 
And, and trying to appease his 700 wives, many of them foreign. And, and when I say appease, let's say, let's, let, we'll, we'll put up a shrine to your God here and, a, and an altar to your God over here and a high place over here for your God. And, he, and, and so throughout and around Jerusalem were all these other idols and, and uh, uh, places of worship for other gods. Solomon brought that. To say he was distracted, absolutely. Absolutely he was distracted. And uh, we're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And, and as Eric had said, the first couple of verses he read, but we're going to read the first five verses. But Solomon, I want you to know that Solomon, as we read through this, it's obvious that he held Jehovah as the one and only God. Uh, matter of fact, all over, you know, over all the, the gods he's been establishing over all the gods he's established for uh, his ladies, for their places of worship. And it sounds like he was even involved in some of that worship. But I believe that, that Solomon still held that, that Jehovah, his God, was the great God. I don't know whether he uh, actually went along with, with everything that, that his, his ladies did. But man, he tried to keep the peace. How, how do you do that? 700 wives, 300 concubines? You don't. That's why I say he was distracted. But Solomon held on to tradition. What would be tradition? Tradition of his family. Tradition of David. I mean, David had that observance, that love for God. So Solomon was aware of that. And, and also, uh, the father of David, and on and on back, clear on back. He knew his nation. He knew the God. He knew the stories. Matter of fact, he was involved in a couple of stories. If you read back, you know, the very beginning of him taking this place of being king, what happened? God said, well, what do you want, David? Whatever you, you name it, whatever you want. I want wisdom. I want wisdom. And God gave him wisdom and so much more. So much more. You know, he said wealth and, and, and a number of other things uh, he gave to Solomon. Uh, also, there was an interaction between uh, he and God concerning the building of the temple. The building of the temple, which comes into play in what we're going to talk about today. Solomon, Solomon spoke in these five verses about approaching God. And, and if anything, he says, man, be cautious. You, you need to be cautious when you're approaching God. You need to be cautious when you're approaching God. Let's, let's read those five verses, and you should be able to follow up here. In verse 1, he says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than, than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know what they are, that, that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven. And you are on earth, so let your words be few. A dream comes when there are many cares, and many words mark the speech of a fool. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. We're going to stop there. Basically, again, you know, what Solomon is addressing is this approach to God. Uh, approach, and he, he, he's laying it out, man, use caution. When you're entering into God's presence, just use caution. Be careful. 
So, so today, just simply, I'm going to look at how, how is it we approach God today? How is it that we approach the one and only God? I'm going to start with this. God deserves your best attention. God deserves your best attention. Now, if we go into what Solomon meant by, especially there in verse, verse 1, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. What does it mean for Solomon when he said, when you go to the house, you know, use caution? It was actually a location. It was a place. He had, he had everything to do with building that more permanent structure for God. Oh, and man, it, it, it was laid out into details. Matter of fact, the main two parts of that temple could fit into this area here uh, with, within this building. Uh, there was the area where the priest would, would observe or, or, or serve through sacrifices, through cleansings, and, and all the rituals that were laid out for them. And, and then there was the Holy of Holies, a smaller part of the building where the Ark of the Covenant was. And, and this temple was seen by all Israel as the location where God would meet with his people. This was God's house. Solomon identified it that way. It was a location. Therefore, when it came to festivals or it came to those celebrations, Passover celebration or many other things, they would go to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was significant because that's where God, they would meet with God. Matter of fact, it was once a year that, that the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies, which is absolutely closed off. He would enter into that Holy of Holies in order to make atonement for all of Israel through sacrifices. Then he would enter in and, and there be right there with the presence of God. So when he says, be careful about your steps, be cautious how you approach, he was really speaking of a physical place. So, so the two phrases that he uses there for caution is to guard your steps. I mean, how would you approach the house of God? Well, I would think of words like reverence. I'd be careful, you know, to be reverent and, and, and you know, careful with my words and my actions. Uh, I would look to be humble. You know, those are a couple words that come to mind. But here, here's what Solomon says. Go near to listen. Rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. I mean, that's one of the locations. That is the location to bring your sacrifice. Uh, it's sacrifices for thanksgiving, uh, thank, uh, sacrifices to, to praise. But predominantly, it was sacrifices for the forgiveness of their sins. They would bring the animals that were described in the, in the scriptures uh, to the priest. Uh, the animals were, were then uh, killed. Their blood poured out. On behalf of, of the person's sins. So that was activity there at the, uh, at, at the temple. And, and if you're real familiar with the Old Testament, God, especially later in Israel's history, was tired of their sacrifices. Tired. Of, and I think that's what he's referring to here. He says, go near to listen. Okay. God is basically saying, I'm so tired of sacrifices for people who continue to live contrary to me. They continue to pursue other gods and live life uh, not according to me. And then, then they come here to give up a sacrifice and they don't change. They're, I mean, the sacrifice is right. It's, it's all laid out, but their hearts are far from me. Their hearts, I mean, they're so detached. And they think that this makes it all right. So he says, come to listen. What do you think they needed to listen to? 
Well, the scriptures that were provided then, the laws that are laid out, what are you doing? There's an instruction for you to live a life in obedience to God. That was their covenant. That was their covenant. Hey, listen, if you want to be in covenant with me, then obey my word. Follow after me. Not just live however you want to, then come here and think it's all right. You see, he wanted them, you know, Solomon said to them, hey, listen, you need to be careful how you approach. And, and perhaps what you need to do is start listening instead of just acting out this religious rituals, these religious rituals. Now, listen, Jesus, Jesus changed our approach to God, didn't he? Jesus absolutely changed our approach to God. What Jesus and his, uh, now, now in our approach is, is absolutely different because uh, he even indicated at his death that that curtain that covered the Holy of Holies, what happened? It was torn in two. Very symbolic to exactly what God did through Jesus and his death. No longer is that that place of meaning going to be a location just within that Holy of Holies with one man coming in. It was actually Jesus who is going to be that great high priest as we as identified in, in, in the book of Hebrews. He is our great high priest. Why? Because he opened it up, that Holy of Holies. He told the woman at the well, he said, listen, there's going to be a time coming when you worship in spirit and truth. Well, what does that mean? Spirit and truth. I believe it, it, it's absolutely what you and I have the opportunity for today through Jesus Christ. Paul identifies it clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Here's, here's what he says. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? Whom you have received from God. So, so where do you go now to worship? What What location? Uh, what is the Christian life? The Christian life is everyday learning, practicing, living in God's presence. Do you understand that? If you are in Jesus Christ, you know, through, through faith, you, you've gone through that repentance and that acceptance of Jesus. Uh, maybe even participate in that, that act of baptism. Uh, receiving Christ. The promise is, man, forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit that indwells you. The, tell me this. When do you ever take time off from being outside of the presence of God? We don't. We don't. Every day, you live in the presence of God. Every day, you live Within the presence of God. So listen to the scripture again. Be careful how you approach. What does that mean? Well, if you go to 1 Corinthians 6 and you see the details, the context of what Paul said. Okay, the, 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 the temple of the Holy Spirit is, is you. That's his, in, his dwelling is within you. He says in the context that don't be involved in sexual immorality. Don't be involved in sexual immorality. How could you be involved with a prostitute and, and be that place where God dwells within his spirit? How is that possible? You see, our coming to church is not when we're approaching God. It's every day. How you doing? 
I'm going to ask you, how are you doing? The presence of God is with you every day. How are you approaching God? And then that thing of listening. The thing of listening. Uh, Matter of fact, James comes along and and makes it very clear. He says, uh, in, in James chapter 1 verse 19, he says, Everyone should be quick to listen. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Why? Because, man, within us is the presence of God. I, th- I, think, I think you and I, in our lives, in Jesus Christ, we live humble lives. Absolutely humble. Absolutely humble because, man, this is his indwelling. And, and I, I do believe listening is key. Man, I, I want us to be a congregation that has sharpened our listening. That, that we're good at listening. Because there's some things that needs correcting and arranging. And we know that's true. And so, to always be a listening and attentive to what? <laughs> His word. That, the very thing I said, wow! It is awesome. Why? Because he lays it out. You know, from beginning to end, from Genesis through Revelation, how intimately through, through guys that are just broken, he brings this book together in order for us to understand, hey, this is what God desires. This is what he wants. What does he want? Oh, to love the Lord, the, God, the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. It is about focusing about, about loving and John, John later on in, in, in his letters wrote, say, man, you want to define love? God is love. Act in that. Act in, act in love and act in his mercy and his forgiveness. It, it's laid out within the scriptures and we need to, to live that. Matter of fact, here, here recently, I love the class that's been happening on Wednesday night. It, it is about us changing and us listening and paying attention and, and in that class, I appreciate so much that the, one of the emphasis that, that Robert and Ty are speaking about is, man, how important, how absolutely valuable it is for us to listen. When, when it comes to people outside these walls who think differently and, and maybe interpret scriptures differently, uh, it begins with our listening, not with that prideful stomp, we got it right and you got it wrong. But when we listen, yes, we, we earn the right to be heard. And, and man, I appreciate that. I, I appreciate that fact. I want to be a congregation where people feel like, man, I could come here and I could ask questions. I'm not going to be shamed because of the direction I've gone in or the things that I believe that, that I'm finding out are contrary and, and, and why. And, and let's, let's figure that out. I appreciate that. I want us to be a congregation that we're listening. What? To him. To him. To what he says. To what his direction gives us. Second part is know that, that he is God. And, and you are not. That he is God and I am not. We, we, we need to know that. Here's how, he's, here's how he lays it out. He writes, don't be quick to speak. Again, you know, be quick to listen. Don't be quick to speak. I do believe another way to put that is engage your brain. <laughs> this is a place not to be numb and, and, and just indifferent. When you have a question, man, raise that question. Ask. Uh, think. And I do believe that God wants us to be thinking and asking. 
Because I, th- I believe that's part of our pursuing and of understanding. Uh, do not be hasty with your heart, he says. And, and with, with that, you know where your emotions go. You know what happens when tragedy strikes or sickness hits or, or difficulties maybe within our own government happens. You know what, you know what it is just to react. Boom. That, that sometimes our brains get disconnected from our emotions and we react. I know what reacting is. I've reacted poorly at times. I believe what he's saying is, uh, you know, do not be hasty with your heart. Be careful what is said through your emotions. Be, you know, be careful with how you respond. Say, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah, you know, that's kind of the Habakkuk thing, right? God, what are you doing? You're bringing Babylon upon us? Are you serious? That was, that was uh, Habakkuk. How about us? This, this past year, what's happening in our nation? Is anybody going, God, what's happening? What are you doing? We, want th- we like things the way they are. Don't change them. <laughs> We're ready to scream it out. You know, we, we want things maybe the same, or we don't want things to change. Things we like, man, we want our freedom. I think freedom's been challenged, and it's going to be challenged more and more as we go. I, I, I tell you what. I, and just speak to that is, man, if we are listening to the one who's in charge, I think we're living in an amazing time for kingdom. I believe that we're living in an amazing time because when troubles come, guess what? God is going to have our attention. He's going to have people's attention. And, and he needs us to be ready and prepared to listen to what they're doing, to, to what they're thinking, and, and then challenge them with a word. One of the greatest things we could have people do right now is, man, I just challenge you. Read the Gospels. I want you to read about Jesus. Just read it. And if you have questions, let me, let, let me, uh, let me help you through it. You know, uh, I, I think that's one of the best things we could do for people right now is just challenge them to read, uh, read the Scriptures. We need to know that God rules. You see, by our emotions, it's, that's me-driven. But, but we need to come and think, and we need to know that God rules. Uh, why, why do you think Jesus taught in that prayer? You know, that, that prayer that many people repeat over and over. I will be honest with you. I repeat this part of the prayer all the time. Hey, God, may your kingdom come. May your will be done. That's an everyday part of my prayer. When I'm praying, you know that's in there. Why? Because I want to remind, be reminded on a daily basis just that fact. It's all about his kingdom. It's all about his will. Man, if I want to find satisfaction in life, I want to see God's kingdom being produced. I want to see God's kingdom uh, uh, flourishing and growing and changing. In your life, not in buildings, I want to see people approaching him genuinely. I want to see people uh, guarding their steps as they live uh, for you. And, and listening and adhering and, and, and listening to the very words that says, hey, be holy as I'm holy, as God, God called us to be. Holy. Man, that is so significant to listen to his words. It, it's interesting to step into that next verse. Verse 3 says, a dream comes when there are many cares. What, what he's saying is, man, I, I, do you have lots of cares in life? Uh, yeah, I mean, cares is, is what's happening in, in my kids and what's going on in school. 
Uh, my cares is what's going to happen. You know, I, I'm trying to save for retirement. What's, what's going to happen later on? What about vacation next year? Uh, what are we going to do uh, for meals this week? Uh, I, I'm, I'm just throwing those out. Uh, what, what, what's our cares? They, they mount up, don't they? Many cares. And, and dreams comes along with it. Man, someday I, this is what I, I hope to see in my retirement. 20 grandchildren that can come and stay for one hour and then go home, you know, something like that. So, so dreams are led by, dreams are led by my will. Dreams are led by my will. I appreciate James, James chapter four, verse 13 through 15. James puts it in a right perspective. There's planning that goes on. Paul had some plans to go on. I, I, one of his greatest plans, man, I want to, he, he wants to take the gospel to Spain. But here's what James says. Now listen you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city. Spend a year there. Carry on business and make money. Plans. Why you don't even know what what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while. Very solemn. Very Ecclesiastes like. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. That's the reality. That's the wisdom of it all. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Is that the way you speak? Man, if it's God's will, I hope to, I hope to spend some time with my grandkids next, week, next weekend. Or if it's God's will, we're going to do truck or treat tonight. You know, we're, we're going we're gonna to show up. If, if God has something else in mind, like Jesus returning, woohoo, right? That's going to be okay with us, right? If God has something else in mind, are we, are we ready to align ourselves with what His will, His direction is leading us? Are we willing? Man, that's, that keeps our ear to that, that word and listening. I, I want to align with Him through all, all through this. And, and at the last part of verse 3 is, And many words mark the speech of a fool. Many words mark the speech of a fool. I, I do believe that addresses a little bit prayer and some of the things that I've seen recently uh, uh, through some folks. Matthew uh, 6, 7, and 8. Here's what Jesus says about prayer. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that, that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Uh, the simplest way to put it, I, I believe what Jesus says is prayer is really simple. Prayer is really simple. I mean, you come before God, you give praise, you acknowledge God, and, and you have an opportunity to lay out your request. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. You don't have to babble or, or, or repeat it over and over, because the more you repeat it, the God's going to hear it. Then God's going to hear it. I believe God hears when we speak. I, I think Jesus is saying, hey, listen, just let your words. Matter of fact, it, Solomon comes along and says, let your words be few. Thoughtful. Few. Direct. That doesn't mean, uh, you know, I, we go into the New Testament, it says some other things. Hey, pray, pray without ceasing. Do it constantly. I talked to someone about what that means is, man, you walk about life. Don't you have things to say to God? We went golfing with my son Travis yesterday. Oh, man, I was just praising. I always praise the opportunity to, to, to be with any of my family. And so, man, that praise is in my heart. And, and, and what a beautiful day. My praise is, 
right there. I'm going to give praises tonight for anyone that we see that comes in, that drawn in, that, that we might be able to, to, to build some kind of relationship. We're praying for that to happen. I, I, I don't know about you, but praying just seems to be all day long anymore. It, it just, as, as we move, I mean, it's not just meals. It's about, you know, new opportunities, things we see. And man, praises go up or a concern. I, I hear all the time, you know, we were praying this week for Darlene Hyatt, who, who was in ICU. Uh, earlier in the week, man, it's praying for Darlene. On Friday, when I find, find out from Bob that she got to go home, woohoo, thank you, God. You know, answer to prayer, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Keep prayer simple. Keep your mind connected. Uh, some, some act like, man, it's time to, to just get it, run on our emotions and do mindless things. I, I believe God is a mind who wants to engage your brain. He wants you to be thinking. He wants you to give him expressions from what's, what's true joy coming out of your life. The final part he gets to here is, is about vows. He says, if you make, basically he teaches this, if you make a vow to God, you best keep it. Uh, verse, verse 4, 5, let me read that again. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. Oh, now, God makes promises. And guess what? You could count on it when God makes promises. You, you know he's going to follow through. But when we make promises, let's go into the Old Testament and think of a couple of these. Jacob laid out a vow. Genesis chapter 28, if you want to check it later on, beginning in verse 20, uh, he goes to the place of saying, oh, God, you know, he's going to go on this journey. He said, God, uh, I, I just vow that if, if you help me on this journey, you know, with, with food and, and, and drink and bring us home safely, then I, you will be my God. Then you will be my God. And, and upon this stone, I'm going to build your house and I'm going to, I'm going to start giving an offering. <laughs> he adds in there as well. Jacob did that. And, and, and later on, there's another one. One of the judges, uh, Judges 11, verses 30 and 31, also verse 39, the, the judge Jephthah. Jephthah was going to go to battle against his enemies. And he said, God, if you give uh, my enemies into my hands, I will sacrifice what comes. When I return home, I'm going to sacrifice whatever comes uh, out of the door to greet me. It so happens to be his daughter, and he has to follow through because he made a vow. I, you know, I'm, I'm just saying, what a dumb vow. I'm, I'm just saying it. What a dumb vow. Why? Why? Matter of fact, <laughs> uh, in, in, in the next verse it says, it is better not to make a vow. I believe Jesus says the same thing. Listen, listen to what Jesus says about vows or oaths. In Matthew um, in, in Matthew chapter, chapter 5, beginning verse 33, here's what Jesus said specifically towards those oaths or those vows. He said, again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you, you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. What's Jesus saying? He said, what do you have to offer? What, what is it that you have to offer to God? 
What do you, what do you own that's really your own? God owns it all. Rude awakening, maybe? But, but what do I have to offer to God? There is nothing. There is nothing. It all belongs to him. And then in verse 36, And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Now, today we know that's not true, right? For a period of time, you could change your hair color, right? But it's not going to be changed the way that I believe Solomon's talking about. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. What's he saying? Hey, this relationship you have with God, this walking, being with him in his presence is not conditional. But as long as you... I will. <laughs> no way. This is not conditional. This is because you have, right? Because you have sent your son to die for me. Oh, man, I give my life to you. Is it? And, and that is that, that very, uh, very, very important message of yes or no. Let it be yes or no. Don't let it be conditional. Don't let it be conditional. Isn't that... That, that just very clear. Don't make play. Uh, don't, don't play. Let's make a deal with God. Are you familiar with that? Let's make a deal. Years ago, I think it's back on TV. Don't play. Let's make a deal with God. I, I believe that's, that's offensive before God. He owns it all. What can you offer him? Let me conclude this. I think the most powerful statement that we get out of, from, from listening to, to, to what Solomon has written here in this passage about approaching God is this fact. Because of what we have in Jesus. That our life is learning every day to live in God's presence. That's your life today. It, it, it's not just when we come to church and we gather together on Sundays. That's not God's presence. If you're in Jesus, it is. when are you apart from God? The Holy Spirit indwelling you. Draw close. Draw close. Listen. Man, the opportunity. Oh, is, is it not amazing? Is it not amazing? God deserves your best attention. God deserves your best attention. And, and we absolutely must know that he's God and, and we are not. It's about what he wants. Not about what we want. In life. And so be careful as we step forward. May it be because of what God wants, what He desires. And if you make a, de- a vow to God, you know, you better keep it. But best is not to make a vow at all. Don't live in a conditional life before God. May it be because. May it be because He's already done it all. Hasn't He? All through Jesus. All through Jesus, he has given us absolutely what we need to be atoned for our own sinfulness and be brought into relationship with him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for Jesus. Uh, We praise you for that, that very fact that because of Jesus, our approach to you is so different. It's not about going to a place or a location. Father, you have promised that through your, uh, uh, through your son, uh, his death upon the cross uh, and the cleansing of his blood that within us indwells your spirit. Lord, we have the opportunity every day to walk in your presence, to live in your presence. Boy, that changes our lives. 
Father, we want to reflect you and, and, and to represent you well in this world, to be the salt and light that Jesus talked about. Father, I pray that, that we understand what it is, the great responsibility that we're given. So strengthen us as a church to pursue that. Father, to foster that within each of us, to be growing uh, in, in that ever-present Holy Spirit working within us, the very presence of, of you. We praise you and thank you for this morning and for your word always. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ah.